Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss and reflect on faith and philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social issues. We want to engage with ideas on what it means to be a free human being in pursuit of human flourishing. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dr. Philip Fletcher here, and welcome to season three for the Humanity Matters podcast. I appreciate everyone who has supported, sent emails, listened to uh, just these episodes. I hope everyone has learned something. Looking forward to some great content over this next season. And to kick it off, we've got the Meet the Candidate series 2020. So hope you guys enjoy. Hey, do me a favor. Go to Facebook, like my page, Dr. Philip Fletcher. Also find me on uh, Twitter, at Phil Fletcher, Instagram, Dr. Philip Fletcher. And always remember my nonprofit, Coho, coho58.org. Check out hopevillagecoho.org. All right, then. Let's kick off season three. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dr. Philip Fletcher, and thank you for joining me once again for the Humanity Matters Weekly, and this is going to be a special series, Meet the Candidates 2020. Uh, Humanity Matters Weekly is our opportunity to discuss and reflect on faith and philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social issues. We want to engage ideas on what it means to be a free human being in the pursuit of human flourishing. If you want to connect with me, uh, you can find my website, philipfletcher.org. Also, my Facebook page, Dr. Philip Fletcher, and on Twitter, at Phil Fletcher. And today, we have with us uh, Senator Joyce Elliott. She is an Arkansas State Senator here in the state of Arkansas, and she is running for the 2nd Congressional District here in Arkansas. How are you doing today, ma'am? I'm doing very well. Thank Good. you. I'm glad you have the uh, time to join us for the few minutes and uh, how we're going to proceed is this is going to be a just conversation an opportunity for uh, us to sit and talk and get to know uh, Joyce Elliott and understand why she is running and just some cool things about her and her policies and platforms and no type of gotcha questions or anything like that so I hope everybody that is watching would uh, learn um, and then make your mind up and how you're going to vote. Uh, as a disclaimer, uh, Ms. Elliott is running against the incumbent Congressman French Hill, and he has been invited to join us in this discussion, uh, and we're looking forward to hearing from him for his opportunity to join this uh, episode as well. But until then, we've got Senator Joyce Elliott. And so, Ms. Elliott, tell us about yourself. Uh, first of all, I'm glad that you think there's something cool enough about me that I might have some cool. So thank you for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that that's, a, that's very thoughtful of you. Well, uh, I, I am an Arkansan, and I, I grew up in South Arkansas um, in Nevada County. And, okay. and people who think, you know, we have 75 counties, but still I have people who go like, is that a county? Where is that really? Um, but I, I grew up in Nevada County, one of our smaller counties in Southwest Arkansas, actually. And the town I grew up in, the little community is called Willisville. 
And my right now the population is like 152. Uh, and and when I when I was growing up though it was all of 260. I remember that number. So that meant you know I went to high school there and grad and graduated. There were nine people in my graduating class. Oh wow. So okay. I, I guess the thing that's whether people realize it or not, you know, country through and through because you know rode on the back of pickup trucks and things like that. And it <laughs> we were so country that. Um, when you know when you're a kid and you grew up in the country, you learn how to drive early, because uh, we had all those back roads. Yeah, I, I could. By the time I was, I don't know, ten or eleven, I could drive just about anything, even with a clutch. But it was fun because I was the only kid who could drive everything. So if anybody was a driver, it was always me. That was great. But um, I so I went to high school there and, and graduated. Went to uh, college at SAU in Magnolia. Graduated from there. And decided to become a teacher because just and part of that was from the experiences I had had uh, going to an integrated school because up through the ninth grade I'd gone to an all-black school and then integration came okay. early for us uh, because when I was at that all-black school I I don't know it, it was always our experiences that high school commencements were like a social event in the neighborhood okay. and everybody went. And one of the things that I, I knew from seeing people who graduated as a valedictorian, they always got you know, a, a paid scholarship, fully paid scholarship to go to, in this case, UAPD, uh, okay. to U. And so my plans were to, to graduate from high school there as a valedictorian because I had made up my mind to do that in the fourth grade and I'd stayed on that track all the way through. But okay. everything got up, my whole life got upended though when we went to, uh, in the 10th grade, things were changed. I went to the all-white school to integrate the school. It was just like four or five other families and me. And um, so it was, a, it was a pretty tough endurance there for a while. You know, I had to endure, endure all those slings and arrows, you know, from people who didn't want me there. But I survived it. And the best thing of getting through it, because it got better the second and third year, but the best thing for me about it was coming out of that experience and not being bitter. But just having the understanding to, to take that learning and make sure it doesn't happen to other people. And that is really the thing that propelled me into, okay, I need to be a teacher because I didn't have the teachers who believed in me and, and I thought I, was, uh, I could be something different and special the way I felt at the all-black school. It was a wholly different thing. So out of that, I became a teacher and went to a school that had never had a black teacher there before, a full-time black teacher, because I thought the students should have somebody like me. And, uh, and I always want to stress about this. It was not just for the African-American students. I thought it was important for the white students as well and the other kind of students there to see different kind of teachers. Uh, so I taught school for 30 years and always had planned to go into um, politics as a, I, I wanted to... Uh, be in politics without really knowing what politics meant and, mm -hmm. and to you know and to just be a public servant because i saw when it i was a kid but i saw what it meant to john f kennedy when mm -hmm. john f kennedy was running i saw older people believing their lives could be better because exactly. this person was running so that really put this spark in me to be a public servant and to uh do what i saw that person did and the effect it could have on changing people and have people believe things could be better at any rate. So public service has just become the through line of my life. And I went from teaching because from teaching, I went to the legislature. Uh, that's when I started, you know, with, with the whole things um, as, a as a public servant, you know, as a legislator. 
So I, this, I'm in my 18th year of being a legislator. And, okay. so, and some of those years overlapped. I think about three of those years overlapped with being a teacher and a legislator at the same time. Okay. We were very part time. And so that's kind of, you know, the, 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 the background, you know, in a nutshell. But my heart's always been Arkansas. And, you know, and I had as many reasons as anybody else did to leave. But I just thought, you know, somebody has to stay here and put down a stake right here and make a difference here. And I did, I'm not critical of others who did not, but that was just what was in, you know, in my heart and what seemed like my destiny to do. And I'm really glad I made that decision. I, I, I'm really happy I made that decision. Good. So why the, why the, the move? So you've been a state legislator, been a state senator. Uh-huh. Why now become, run for Congress? Well, I, when, when I see what's happening in Washington, that, that is disturbing to me. But I'm more disturbed by what I see not happening here in our district, because I do. I think people have, you know, people have uh, an expectation, and it's and it's not one that's unreasonable to have a decent quality of life. To expect that whoever goes to Washington is going to be their voice. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I I know people here. I know what life is like, um, and I can be a voice here in Arkansas. But I don't. I don't think they have a voice. The average kind of everyday person like me, who was a school teacher, and sure. people who just working every day for a living don't have that voice. And I, we have a representative now, I think, that listens more to special interests than, than the lobbyists than we do the regular folks back home. For example, it is very clear that now that we have expanded Medicaid in Arkansas and we've covered more people who have, who have insurance now, People, they were, some people were not sure this was a good thing, but it's turned out to be a very good thing, even for people who thought they didn't want it. We covered 300,000 more people, you know, with health insurance. Okay. They don't want it taken away. And right now, you know, we have, a, we have a, a person who goes to Washington and has voted time and time and time again to either take it away or to diminish it to the point that it's unworthy. And I felt really proud to work with um, Democrats and Republicans. This was across the party lines type thing to get done for the people, you know, knowing that they have these needs. And so I think the people need somebody like that who will not, who will not forget the voices back here because they cry out and let us know what the needs are. But you don't need to forget it between uh, here and Washington, whether you drive or you fly. So that's my, that's really my major motivation. There's other things I want to do, but, um, you know, that is it in a nutshell because like healthcare and and, uh, education are still really big, big issues and and making sure we overhaul our criminal justice system so that it is just and Mm -hmm. and figure out a way that we're going to come out of this pandemic Uh, because, you know, as bad as the pandemic is, you know, sometimes out of chaos and strife, you get opportunity. And I think that's something that we can see with this pandemic, because we know so much more about the inequities now that people were not paying attention to. We're going to have to rebuild. So we have an opportunity to rebuild in a way that is more equitable and one that honors everybody's voice and everybody's needs. That's good. That's good. Ken, so I was on your website and... No! (laughs) You have this... this, uh, very thorough plan uh, called Healing Ex- Healing Arkansas. Yeah. Can you give us some details on that? You've kind of 
hit on some of those dealing with COVID, uh, yeah. education, mm -hmm. and what yeah. it appears to be is a very comprehensive mm -hmm. uh, plan. Yeah. Different areas yeah. of Arkansas and the men and women who that would impact. Can you give us some information on? Yeah. Well, when uh, we know when when Congress uh, voted for what was called the CARES Act, mm -hmm. that was federal money to try to help us get through uh, all of the downsides of, of the pandemic, and that's just like why I call it Heal in Arkansas, because yeah. I do think we have an opportunity to heal coming out of that. But but there are things that we you know we need to think about, like uh, like this. we knew we'd have to think about school readiness, you know. Um, and how, how do we prepare for that? I don't think we prepared the way we should have. Uh, school readiness and we need to think about, um, you know, things that, that are important to people's lives to rebuild, like the broadband. Because a part of the readiness was, you know, all of the, the, um, uh, all of the needs that we're going to have for the teachers and the students and the rest of the folks there in the school. So in order to do that, we need to have a plan. In order to do what I just said, we need to have a plan with rural broadband. And we see the effects of that right now, especially rural broadband. But the thing that's really important about that is it's really not just rural Arkansas. Some people think that it is, but there are, there are places in Little Rock and North Little Rock where you can't get connected. And probably places close by in Conway is an, it's an issue as well. So to think about how do we do these things and how do we provide health care uh, support? How, how do we take care of and think about the long-term care for people that you know we have in, in uh, nursing homes and so forth? And, and so my thought was to be very intentional one by one so that think about these things one by one, but that in the end, they're all going to come together like this and be stronger and the state's going to be stronger. Okay. Because if we don't have a plan to heal, We'll just somehow, you know, it's like if you have an injury and you don't tend to it, eventually it'll just heal, but it might not be what you want it to be. It might not be what it should be. Like I have a crooked finger right now because it's healing and uh, I'm going to have to get something done to it to make it come out right. Otherwise, it's going to be crooked the rest of my life. And, and that's what I wanted for us. And that's what I mean about that opportunity uh, to use wisely the funds we got so that we are we are addressing every part of our population. That's good. That's good. Um, I want to cycle back again. Uh, you had mentioned you had worked with uh, Republicans, obviously, as well as Democrats here mm -hmm. in the state to, uh, you know, get health insurance for Arkansans. And, you know, the state of Washington and Congress, it mm -hmm. seems like, you know, the parties are in their corners. Yes, yes you know, for a number of reasons. Um, being a congresswoman, uh, you get elected by the people of Arkansas from the second congressional district. Um, how would you go about uh, going across the aisle to help build consensus with, you know, those who are Republican um, or independents? Um, what would be your, your approach? Well, one of the things that, that I have been lucky uh, I didn't think I was so lucky at the time, but the way I had to grow up really equipped me with skills of dealing with all different kinds of people and all different kinds of attitudes. And that was the case too when I was teaching school. I was teaching high school 
And, you know, these are basically adults who come with, with, with their full selves. Right. <laughs> and you have to And all the baggage that comes yes, with Yes, exactly. So you got 25, 30 people like that. You can't just be one way. You have to figure out a way to engage and deal with all 30 of those people day after day after day. Uh, but growing up, though, I didn't have the privilege of just saying, I can just stay with my group, whatever my group, or people who just look just like me. Mm -hmm. uh, who believe the way I do, and I'm going to be okay. That's not a privilege I had. I had to figure out how to traverse the larger world of the majority culture. And so that left me without this notion of ever believing my way is the way. So I'm clear that my way is one way, but everybody else's way needs to be validated and supported too, to the extent that you can. So that's how I became a master collaborator, you know, because, um, I believe my way of doing things is collaboration over compromise. A lot of people tend to say, well, the reason y'all can't get anything done, you don't compromise. Well, compromise is not the best way to go. It should be the last resort because when you collaborate, which I've learned, uh, um, that's what we have to do. When you collaborate, I have to, I have to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And when you get to know people, I don't care what their party is. When you get to know them as a human being and, and what they believe in, what their families are like, you, you treat people differently and you can do policy differently because you're not seeing that person merely as a Democrat or a Republican or independent. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's one of the ways, uh, you know, I worked and was uh, happy to work with, with um, uh, Republicans to get, uh, you know, the, the Medi Medicaid expanded and to create a pre-K program that was you know, a leader in the nation at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so when I go to Washington, uh, I, I, I don't go there with expectations that everything is just broken and it can't be healed. Because if you go there with that attitude, and if your only discussion is, your discussion is led by the people who were there, constantly tell you how it's broken. Well, what are you doing to fix it? So I'm going there with the attitude that um, I will work across party lines. I will get to know people because I'm not going to get anything done if I don't. I will work with Democrats. And all Democrats don't think alike. All people don't need, even need to think that. Right. And there are 435 people, and there are 435 people in, in the House of Representatives. That's a lot of people. So if you're going to get a majority of anything, you're going to have to do that. And I, I'm willing, I'm not daunted by, I guess is the way to put it. Okay. I'm not daunted by what's in front of me because I've done it all my life. I, I, I don't go there with the expectation that I'm going to have privilege or, or power just because I show up, but I'm going to have that because I work, I will have power because I've worked with other people to build up, uh, build consensus about how we're going to get things done. And the last thing on this is, you know, people get so, um, I understand how people just, you know, just get so down about the whole thing in politics and especially Washington, understandably. But it got that way because of the people we elected to go there. Okay. And we did that one election at a time. And that's why I'm saying to people, even right here in our district, we can undo it one election at a time by electing Joyce Elliott. Because I will go there with the notion that I'm taking your voice and I will work to fulfill that. That was a declarative statement right there. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I, I would be remiss not to bring up just kind of the, the state of our nation, yeah. uh, the things that are going on. Uh, what would you say to the people in uh, 
second congressional district in regards to the two big experiences we've had in 2020, COVID and then, um, you know, the racial un unrest. Take either one of those uh, yeah. however you want. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, if we start with COVID, um, you know, so many times things can be such great equalizers. And so many times they can be the things that, ex it can be the thing that exposes the inequities mm -hmm. in a way that people never wanted to accept or never thought they were. And that's one thing that's happened with COVID-19. In one way, it's been a great equalizer in that if you were put in a position where you might, uh, it, you know, you might catch it, COVID doesn't care who you are, what you look like, how much money you have or whatever. Right. But, uh, and, but on the other side, the way it's worked with the, it's exposed those inequities, especially for people we now call the uh, essential workers, you know, for those, for the people who can stay home and do their work and stay safe, that's because they were in a better position to start with before COVID showed up. Yes, so many times, not all of them, so many times we're calling the, the people who are calling the essential workers uh, are the ones that we have never uh, presumed to be essential. Never thought about the person who's, who's checking you out at the grocery store being essential, you know. Yeah. You know, never thought about the person, you know, that when you drive through McDonald's or whatever, that this is an essential worker. I mean, so many, and I would say most of the jobs that we have traditionally called uh, low wage jobs um, are the ones so many times that we have not thought of that has been essential. And turns out we find out that about they really are. So those inequities have been exposed, like from having broadband, even getting back to school and, and that kind of thing. And the, the last thing I would say about COVID though, the message I'd like to, for people to, to get from me at any rate, um, it is not up to the doctors and the politicians um, and people like that to fix this by themselves. Mm -hmm. This is an issue that calls on all, and all of us to care about one another. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I think it's so simple, it seems so simple that in so many other countries, where people just followed the advice, you know, of the scientists. You know, um, it's kind of like Dr. King said about our, you know, being in this inescapable network of mutuality. Yes. We should see this as a, as a mutually benefiting thing as a way of getting out. And wash your hands, we do that, wear a mask. I, I don't know why that's controversial because I, I would wear a mask in a heartbeat to protect you. Mm -hmm. Even if I thought, you know, I didn't need it. So what I really would like us to think about, go beyond the politicians, because I don't care how many politicians you have, there are still thousands, millions more other people out there who have the effect about what we do. So this is, this is one of those examples of, I think we ought to recognize our mutuality and, and do this for one another. Because there's nothing, one of the good things about being a public servant, there's nothing that feels better about that that whole opportunity than to do something for other people. And the same things seem to be true here. We could, we could help one another. And when it comes to, um, when, it, when it comes to the other big event, you know, in our district, Black Lives Matter event, um, events that have been going on, um, I think this has taught us so much. Um, this, is another, this is another thing that uh, I mentioned having gone, gone to an integrated school and how it was tough. But it was from that point on, I committed myself to 
I'm going to be about unity because this should not be happening. I am going to be the reverse of what's happening here. And there is, because there's no need, we can't all be together. We keep saying we're all just humans. And we keep saying there's one race, just a human race, and then we do something else. that doesn't. Yeah. So, so I was so pleased when I saw, you know, the people who were, uh, you know, marching and protesting and, you know, not burning and looting things. I was so pleased when I saw people of all backgrounds, all ages, because uh, we recognize that there is injustice in our system. Mm-hmm. And all of it is not when you get to the court, you know, when you get into court. Mm-hmm. And just to see people come together and want to make a difference and do something that's different. And I've been pleased as well that most of the people who protested also are about, so now what do we do? How, so now we have, we have shown that we have huge disfavor with what's going on. And now what? And, you know, I want to bring the movement from the streets in, into really, you know, in, into uh, the public buildings where the policies are being made. That's and correct. the halls of power. But the other way, I, I think that that may be harder, but I think is just as important, is changing our own actions. Um, because if we are disgusted enough to be in the streets about what's happening, uh, and we see the inequities, and as surely as we see it in the justice system, that's not the only place it is. We need to keep our voices going um, just on a daily basis. When you see something, say something. When you, when you know that um, we have systems that are in, uh, um, unjust, not just the, the criminal justice system, you know, we ought to all be about changing that and recognizing that you cannot, you cannot rebuild systems and make them what they need to be without all of us thinking about ways we participate, even if it asks something of us that makes us uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it will. But I think if we are committed enough to call it out when somebody else does it, we ought to be committed enough mm-hmm. to put ourselves in position for the good of everybody, especially young people coming ahead who deserve a better world than this to, yeah. to make things better. So I, I think you know two, two really important things that happened that are hurtful but out of it, there can be healing. Yeah. Out of COVID, you know, you can have actual healing of your body. And out of this, you can have healing of people brought together and, and making them in a, in a better district. Sounds like a good speech, ma'am. <laughs> good point. The common thread being healing. That's good. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All righty. So as we're on the downswing, some lighthearted uh, stuff. So favorite pastime or hobbies? What is- <laughs> Uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I my favorite. I, I I love to dance. That's probably the thing I I I enjoy doing most in you know inside. And okay. I, I guess the other thing that that I don't know. I I am just like if Jeopardy ever goes off TV, I'm just gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do because I love watching Jeopardy. Okay. Just it's just like. And then when you realize you don't know something, you're like, okay, I. So I don't always say, oh, I didn't know a single one of those answers. Okay, but I learned something today. <laughs> so, <laughs> to, not, to not feel so small. You know, to feel so small. That's the um, teacher in <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I love watching that show. Um, and and I, I, I do like reading. But I, I, I like reading a lot, but I'm not getting to read as many um, fictional works as I want to. Not as many novels because there's so much public policy work. 
but okay. uh, most of, most of my, my hobbies are the things I really, really get into are on the outside. You know, I love whitewater rafting, just I love adrenaline type things like that. Because really? like, I see, I see that frown on your face. Really, adrenaline, <laughs> really? Okay. Yes, I love, I love that. You know, I, you know, there, I, there was a time. I don't, I can't do it now. I would build my vacations around the next river. Uh, okay. So it's like I get the whitewater raft and and hike and. I was a runner for a very long time until I wore out a hip, and so now I'm a walker. Okay. Um, and and um, I I love you know jumping off high things with us. I love that bungee type stuff. You know when you you just don't know what's gonna happen, but you know. <laughs> you ever gone skydiving? I haven't, but it's on my list. Is it? Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to go hang gliding. I haven't done. Any, I want to go hang gliding more than I do skydiving. Okay. And, you know my. You know, there are places I have plotted in the world that I want to go and which mountain I'm going to jump off to go hang gliding. So, Switzerland and New Zealand being the top of the list because they have the best, trust me. I have done this research. Yeah. 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 I I, I really, and I I like camping. I mean, I love being outdoors. I, you know, maybe it's from growing up, uh, you know, in the country or whatever, but I love camping and waking up in the morning and, you know, smelling that fresh air and, Sometimes if you're out by a river or something, you can just walk into the river and get your shower right there. You yeah, that's true. Hope that's you're not true. stepping on a moccasin. But anyway, and there's so much here in Arkansas, you know, for camping and like the buffalo. And, but there are other rivers other than the buffalo people should know. But yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's good. That's cool. So how can people get involved with your campaign? Yeah. Um, well, for sure. I, I will ask everybody to please find a way in. And let you know, I, I do need your support and I do need your vote. You need to know that and I'm asking you. But the best thing to do, you can go to JoyceElliott.com where there is a link you can you can click on about uh, volunteers. Uh, it's called the Get Involved button. And there is a list of needs that we have for volunteers to do. And you can sign up for whichever one of those fits what you're doing. You know, and it's things like people are writing postcards to their friends or other people. Um, and there are folks who sign up to do phone banking and text banking. And if you do phone banking and text banking, it's not, it's not, uh, you're not alone to have to do that. Because normally if things were okay, you just come into the campaign office and that's what we had envisioned before the pandemic showed up. They'd have a bunch of people in the office with pizza and whatever and calling and it'd just be a buzz. But what we do now, um, uh, we have a really, really good field person who will teach people how to uh, do phone banking on Zoom. But it'd be like, you know, 20 people sitting here right here on Zoom and uh, all of us are doing our phone banking because you don't go home alone and do it because you still have a community doing it. And it, it helps keep us, uh, keep us accountable too. Yeah. You can see other people doing things. Like I might have great, I might have great intentions when I go home, but sometimes, you know, if you're alone, things might not get done. And, and, and you will get, get a training you can sign up for and you get trained about how to do it. That takes, I think, about an hour. And you can do a lot of that as well. So you can make a contribution there because we certainly need people to make contributions. And people, I want people to know it's, it is important that you give. Don't be worried about you don't have much to give. Because our average contribution right now is about $30, $38.16. Okay. Uh, there are people who can give a whole lot more. There are people who can give five, ten dollars, or whatever. That matters. Some people give five dollars a week, you know. Some, right. so, yeah, some do ten dollars a week. 
and some do, you know, $25 a month or whatever, but we only have two more months, so you might want to choose a week, so because we're, kind of, we're coming to the end of things, but yeah, the best thing to do is go to, go to that website, JoyceElliott.com, and, and click that involved button, and we'd love to have you, and we need you. Good deal. Any final words? Yeah, I, I, I want people to be sure they know what, what the district is, what it covers, because some people don't know if they're in the district or not. If you live in, in these counties, Saline, White, Van Buren, Conway, come back down to Faulkner County and Pulaski County, and then if you go over to the west to Perry County, those are the counties that are in, uh, in this district. So you have in any of those seven counties, then you are a part of District 2 and you can, and you can vote. And uh, I, 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 really, I really think you should be very thoughtful about planning your vote. Make a plan about how you're going to vote, when you're going to vote, because if you don't, especially now the way things are going, you might be voting. If you're going to vote by mail, have a plan. And you can go to www.joyce.vote and watch a video that I made to explain about how you can vote by mail. So I invite people to do that. So just make a plan, participate. And if you want to make a change here in uh, the second district, if you want somebody who knows your voice and won't forget your voice, um, I ask for your support. I'll take you to Washington with me. Thank you, Ms. Elliott. I appreciate your time and we'll make sure to have your website information in uh, a video link so everybody can access that. Excellent. Thank you. I enjoyed it. It's a great conversation. Yes, thank you, you. You ask good questions. You make it, make it nice. All thank right. You. Take care. Bye-bye. You take care. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. That is Meet the Candidates 2020 with Arkansas State Senator Joyce Elliott, who is running for uh, the second congressional district. She is the a Democratic representative, and she'll be running against Congressman French Hill, who is the uh, incumbent. Hey, for more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org. Like us on YouTube. You can find it under my name, Dr. Philip Fletcher. Subscribe to the Humanity Matters podcast on all podcast outlets. And remember to be loved, to be kind, to be generous. If we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. Take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Matters podcast. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org or send us an email at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, as always, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So be love, be kind, and be generous. <laughs>